Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Heavenly Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus, who is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Amen. It continues to be the gospel from Mark that takes us into the meditation. Today, especially the beginning of that gospel where he talks uh, to the Pharisees about the traditions of the elders, and then toward the end when he explains to the disciples uh, what he is talking about. So bow your head and heart with me for a word of prayer before we delve into the lesson. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of each of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our strength, and our Redeemer. Amen. In that Redeemer, Jesus Christ, your fellow saints of the Most High God. Clean hands are important. Seems nowadays there are hand sanitizers all over the place. Employers, certainly at restaurants, have strict policies about their employees washing their hands. And you and I expect restaurants to have places where we can wash our hands before we eat and after we eat. And yet, what's to tell us that our hands are really clean? Sight? Smell? Taste? And who's to tell us when our hands are really clean? Scientists, doctors, teachers, parents, employers? There are actually those who say we've so sanitized our world, including our hands, that our children are growing up less healthy than we did. They're more susceptible to resistant microbes nowadays. Apparently, Eating dirt when we grew up wasn't all that unhealthy for us. Certainly not fatal. Well, all of this pales when we compare it to the question of a clean heart. Some time ago, a Hollywood celebrity had the opportunity to spend an afternoon with the president of Taiwan. And surprisingly, the topic that this celebrity wanted to pursue was the treatment of dogs in Taiwan. Now, certainly, humane treatment of animals is important, but if you had the chance to speak to the president of a country, would that be the topic you'd focus on? The contrast between Jesus' reception at the end of Mark 6 and his encounter with the Pharisees and scribes here in our passage at the beginning of chapter 7, is just as confounding. The contagious excitement about Jesus who heals all that came to him is replaced by a concern about ritual cleanness of his disciples' hands of all things. Now, if you had the chance for a private audience with Jesus would you argue with him about the proper way to wash up before a meal? That may even not have been the point of all of this when it came to what the Pharisees were thinking, but washing their hands thoroughly enough to meet the Pharisees' standard. Seems Jesus' opponents have completely lost sight of what really matters before God. The way they ask their question suggests that the root of the problem 
is that they've begun to put human tradition concerns before and above what's important to God. When I was a child, wanting to pass bath time inspection, I quickly learned that my mother wasn't going to check the easy-to-spot places like hands and tummy. No, I better clean behind my ears and between my toes and around and under my fingernails. Our Lord reminds his questioners that they still need to learn this lesson. Centuries before, through his prophet Isaiah, the Lord had tried to teach his people to check for true cleanness by considering their hearts. This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. We may make the same mistake that they were making if we miss the very important way Jesus introduces this quote from Isaiah. Well did the prophet Isaiah prophesy of you, Jesus says. Right after this, Jesus will speak of the commandments God gave through Moses and how these ancient words of God should be shaping the lives and thoughts of his hearers. The Pharisees are more concerned about, another, about whether person, people's hands are clean than whether their bodies have been cleansed by the words of Jesus from disease or whether their hearts have been filled with the peace that Jesus is proclaiming. And that's exactly the sort of thing that happens when you and I stop asking what's important to God. You've heard the expression lip service, and you probably know what it means. Did you know that that expression was inspired by this passage in the Gospels and by the passage from Isaiah that Jesus quotes here? That's at least what the author of Brewer's Dictionary of Phrase and Fable says. No one's impressed by outward professions that are completely unsupported by attitude and actions. The Lord's words, both in Isaiah and here in Mark, may suggest another image, however, when he speaks of far distant hearts. Here we might think of close lips and distant hearts. Uh, have you ever had that uncomfortable or even infuriating experience of someone you know inwardly disagrees with you and perhaps even dislikes you, greeting you warmly with a handshake, an embrace, or perhaps even a kiss? You know, one immediately thinks of the kiss of Judas back in the Garden of Gethsemane. Was there ever a case of greater separation of lips and heart. But we'd better not answer too quickly, for if Isaiah's words are prophesied about us, and if Jesus' warnings speak to us, we had better examine our own lips and hearts, hands and ears, to see how we're doing in terms of Mark's questions of who is Jesus and are you and I willing to follow him and his commands and teachings? How have we lost sight 
of what's really important. What traditions of men, what traditions of our own have we let crowd out God's word of life from its proper place as the word that demands our total obedience? Jesus calls out the Pharisees on their using the practice of korban to get out of taking care of their folks. We don't know much about that practice, but Jesus goes on to say, and many such things you do to show that this is merely one example among many of what life turned in upon itself looks like. And then he goes on to utter a terribly long and terrible list of the dirt inside of each of us. Our hands may be clean, but our hearts are naturally, by nature, filthy. It's our human condition. When our own voices and no others guide us, When our hearts are filled with self and are far from God, even those nearest and dearest to us will suffer the consequences. Instead of gratitude, honor, obedience, and love toward those who have endured pain and deprivation in order to give us life and to make that life the best they can for us, we look for excuses and loopholes so that we can be free of the burden of caring for parents, and others. And remember, that's just one example Jesus gives. Each of us could go on to list our own. But who of us wants to expose our sinfulness and sinful hearts? Human traditions may set standards for outward cleanness, but they can never make us clean within. Jesus points out the true source of the Pharisees' uncleanness because he wants to make them clean and help them clean up their act. And that's clearly demonstrated after our text here in Mark 7 when he casts out the unclean spirit in a little girl and then opens the deaf ears of a man afterwards. And that's the point that Jesus wants us to hear. He draws our attention away from human traditions, which can't save us, in order to have us focus on God's word, which can and does save us. God's word spoken to and for us exposes the dirt behind our ears, the dirt that we've been hiding in hopes that no one would see, the dirt that gets in our eyes and blinds us to the needs of those around us, the dirt that clogs our hearts and shuts them down, the dirt that eventually kills, not only now, but forever. But the point of all of this isn't God saying to us, look at how dirty you are. No, it's rather our Lord calling to us that we would leave our human traditions in order to hear his word and his priorities and let his voice declare us clean, even, as he says by his death on Calvary's cross, come to me, and I'll make you clean by virtue of my blood, which washes away every filthy spot. So, do we see and hear that word of God as the Pharisees did? Only as a demanding word of law? Or do we hear it as a word of promise? God's promise spoken from Jesus' lips and backed by his life, his death, his resurrection. 
a word that not only gives life, but makes life better, sweeter, more grace-filled if taken to heart and followed. A word that helps us follow Jesus rather than men and become more like him every day. A word that speaks love and forgiveness to us when you and I fall flat on our face again in the mud of sin and make ourselves dirty all over once more. And then helps us to speak that same word of loving forgiveness to our neighbors as well. A word that restores and sustains, that grows us in grace and graciousness and gratitude and grows us up to eternal life with our great and gracious God. May God grant that that is how we hear and respond to Jesus, our Savior's word. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. And the peace of God, which passes all our understanding, will keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus, your risen and reigning Lord and Savior. Amen.